Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, it's time to hit on the fourth and final of our peak performances here. We're talking about the fourth quarter of the 2017 season, games 13 through 16. Certainly a uh, fourth quarter of the season that did not go as planned for the Packers. And because of that, of the five peak performances from this segment of the season, three of them are from one game, the game in Cleveland. And I'm talking about Brett Hundley against the Browns, Devontae Adams against the Browns, and then Trevor Davis as well. So I don't know where you want to start with those three. Obviously, all three were definitely standout performances in a game that was a big victory at the time. It was. Keeping the Packers in the hunt with Aaron Rodgers coming back against Carolina the following week. But... Um, one of these three stick out to you the most as far as the Browns game? First and foremost, Mike, one thing you have to understand about me, I'm a big movie guy, okay? You go, movie comes out, and all the build-up towards it, the trailers, the preview stories, all that, and I use that introduction because I liken that a lot to Trevor Davis's punt return in this game. <laughs> For about two months, we got the trailers, we got the, the reviews. We had Ron Zook saying... That Trevor Davis was close to breaking one. A block here, a block there, a flag here, a flag there. That was the game I put all my chips on the table. I said, I said, this is it. This has got to be the game for Trevor Davis. And um, gosh darn it, he came through. Almost like a compulsive gambler just yeah. continuing to double down <laughs> like, on exactly, red. Exactly, exactly. I, I kept sticking with him. I kept sticking with him, and eventually it paid off. He had the ability the entire time. Uh, and, and I think we've seen the speed. He has great vision, I think, particularly on punt returns, his savviness. He did have some issues with a couple muff punts in the preseason, but we didn't really see that much during the regular season. Right. And this particular game, I just thought, you look at, I think, a 65-yard return. This is what ultimately basically put him in the top five for good in punt return average. I think he finished the year third overall. Yeah. Um, I just think when you look at a – confidence of a young player this is just so important to Trevor Davis because he has all the tools to be an impact player both on offense and special teams and I think something like this really is going to propel him going forward so my long introduction that is who uh, that really stands out to me coming out of this game yeah Davis won the NFC special teams player of the week award that week he took that uh, that late punt return at his own 10 yard line dodged a bunch of guys got some really nice blocks 65 yards leaving the Packers only 25 yards to go to get that tying yes, touchdown exactly. to get the game to overtime. And that tying touchdown then was the work of Brett Hundley and Devontae Adams with 17 seconds left to uh, to get the game to OT. And then, of course, they hooked up also on the overtime touchdown pass, the uh, the walk-off. I don't know if you call it a walk-off, the runoff, run-off, run-off yeah. up the tunnel. Um, but, uh, but to go over the other statistics there, Brett Hundley in this game, 35 of 46 – Obviously, a lot of passing attempts because the Packers were down a couple touchdowns there in the second half. 265 yards, three touchdowns, a 111.2 passer rating. And then Adams finishes the game with 10 catches, 85 yards, and two touchdowns. The two touchdowns coming at the end of the fourth quarter and in overtime when he spun away from the defense and and took it the distance. Obviously, a big win for the Packers. And uh, and really the, the the culmination in a lot of ways of the chemistry we had seen developing between Hunley and Adams over the course of several weeks. Adams was really the go-to guy in the clutch here for Brett Hunley, and he came through. Yeah, it says so much about Devontae Adams, Mike, that his first Pro Bowl season comes in which a year that he didn't have 
really Aaron Rodgers for a majority of it when yep. you really break it down, uh, five, six games all told. So for him to become that go-to guy and to have that confidence with Brett Hundley, let's be honest here, for a young quarterback coming in, trying to, to, to find a way, I, I go back to 2013 and, you know, you look you know, like Jared Boykin stepped up when you had Matt Flynn at quarterback. And sometimes you just have a, a chemistry with a guy that just, you know, is an overwhelming sort of thing. And I just look at that performance uh, by Devontae Adams late. I think for him to step up the way he did in a critical time of that ball game, and also give credit to Brett Hundley for being consistent at a time in which there really wasn't any margin for error yeah. uh, down the stretch. Um, you know, it really, I thought Hundley showed an incredible amount of moxie, and I thought Devontae Adams showed why he's a Pro Bowl receiver. It didn't matter if it was Aaron Rodgers or Brett Hundley, he was going to make plays, and he did it consistently throughout the season. Yeah, that's a very good point. We've got uh, two other peak performances from quarter number four to get to. We will do that after the break, back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford here, Wes Hodkowitz over there. And Wes, the last two peak performances from quarter number four. And again, I should remind fans, if you'd like to vote for your favorite, the story, the highlights, everything is on Packers.com. You can cast your vote in the poll on the peak performances page. The last two, Randall Cobb at Carolina, seven catches, 84 yards with a touchdown. And then defensive tackle Kenny Clark against the Minnesota Vikings. He had two sacks which uh, gave him four and a half sacks over a four-game span late in the season. I'll start with Cobb at Carolina. I think the, the, the play, obviously, that stood out the most was when he made himself an outlet for Aaron Rodgers on a scramble drill at the end of the first half, and then the move that he made to, yeah. take, to get that into the end zone. There were three guys who really had a chance to tackle him, and he managed to, uh, to dodge one and split the other two and, and get the ball across the goal line. Um, I know it wasn't the type of season Randall Cobb was hoping for in a lot of ways, much as it was for, for the entire team, but he still showed he can make a play once in a while. He really did. And, and this is such an interesting game for a number. Well, the first one is I was watching it from a hospital. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the real peak performer was my wife that day, uh, giving right. birth to our son. But That's right. uh, I watched the first quarter and then I uh, had to step away from it. And later that night, I sat down and watched it on Game Pass. And I was just blown away by Randall Cobb in this game. And I think it was a reminder, as you said, it wasn't the season Cobb wanted. Right. No question about that. But it's a reminder of how dynamic he can be. Yep. And I just thought, you talk, the last segment we talked about Aaron, or Brett Hundley and, and Devontae Adams having that chemistry. The, the ability for Rodgers to step back in there with Cobb, and just like with Jordy Nelson, just riding a bike, really, um, and being able to, to get back into that rhythm. I just think Cobb, you have to remember, Mike, at this point in the season, the Packers are having a real difficult time getting explosive plays through the passing game. Yep. And for Cobb to start off the way he did in that contest, I thought really got them moving. With where the final score finished out and how the game sort of turned in the second half, you forget the Packers really did have a lot of momentum going for them in the first half. Um, and unfortunately, it wasn't enough. But 
for anyone that needed a reminder of what kind of player Randall Cobb is, I thought that this was the perfect embodiment of what he brings to an offense. Yeah, and he was just inches away from having a huge game yeah. because in the third quarter he ran a seam route down right. the middle. He had beaten his man, and unfortunately it was just a rusty Aaron Rodgers who was a little short on the throw, and the throw got picked off. Otherwise, that would have been a probably a 74-yard touchdown. He would have been looking at a 150-yard game, maybe even more than that with a couple of scores. So just uh, just that close. And if, if Rodgers is in peak form himself instead of coming back from – Two months off, I think we would have seen uh, we would have seen a really big play that would have that would have flipped that game. But turning the attention then to Kenny Clark against Minnesota, this was a game. Obviously, the Packers' offense got shut out. The Minnesota Vikings were on their way to a first round bye in the playoffs and all that. But the Packers' defense on a cold night at Lambeau Field right around Christmas time did a pretty darn good job against Case Keenum and that Minnesota offense, holding them to just 16 points. And Kenny Clark had a lot to do with that. And this was a guy, boy, when he came back from that ankle injury, yeah. Wes, he finished he finished the season strong. Yeah, I thought his season was over. Uh, he gets carted off the field. I believe that was against Baltimore, an unfortunate situation that unfolded. Yeah. He ends up missing one game with a high ankle sprain. And you've seen guys that try to tough it out, Mike, and it just really doesn't come together. You, you commend them for their uh, approach but they just really aren't impactful. Right. Kenny Clark came back and was as good as he's ever been <laughs> yeah. during that final stretch. I believe I there was one stat that Nate Lacasio, our Packers PR maven, came up with. I think it was, or maybe it was Tom Fanning. I think he led the league in sacks, was it in the December or something like that, four, four and a half, over that stretch. You forget that this is a young man that did not have one before December. Yeah. And I remember HaHa Clinton Dix and some other guys lamenting the fact that, you know, surprised that it, you know, he hadn't had one yet because of how he'd been playing. Um, he finished the season so strong. And really, I think when you break it down at the end of the day, was the defensive MVP. You can make an argument he was the MVP of the team this year uh, with how good he was against the run, shedding double teams, being able to get those sacks and pressures from the inside. They have a great building block in Kenny Clark, and he's still only, what, 22 years old? I mean, yeah. he has his best football ahead of him. Yeah. All right, so those are the five peak performances from quarter number four of the season. Hunley, Adams, and Davis at Cleveland. Cobb at Carolina and Kenny Clark against Minnesota. You got to vote for a favorite. You know, Devontae Adams is probably the one that should get this, uh, but I'm going to go with Kenny Clark. And the <laughs> reason why I say that is because it this whole run he got on reminded me of B.J. Raji uh, during his, his rookie season to some extent, but really during that Super Bowl season, his second NFL year, yeah. how strong he came on at the end and how that really catapulted and changed the defense. You could see what kind of impact it makes with it, and I think for that reason – Keeping in mind the 2018 season at that point is what they're focused on. I think you really have to be satisfied with what you got out of him down the stretch. Yeah, and I'll cast my vote for Devontae Adams in Cleveland because I, I think what you said about uh, about Kenny Clark, you know, maybe he was the MVP of the entire team. I think that's a vote between Clark and Adams yeah. based on how 2017 went. To, so with that, we'll toss it to a break back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Back to Packers Unscripted, Mike Spofford in this chair, Wes Hodkowitz in that one. Wes, I wanted to uh, address a couple of things with regards to the Hall of Fame. Following up on Jerry Kramer's selection, which we talked about quite a bit in our last show, but in the interviews that I did on the NFL Honors red carpet with Charles Woodson and with Sterling Sharp and looking at the way things went with this particular Hall of Fame class of 2018, 
it got me thinking about a few different things in terms of, okay, so Jerry Kramer's in. What's next for the Packers uh, as far as the Hall of Fame is concerned? And three things come to mind for me. One, will Charles Woodson be a first ballot Hall of Famer? He's a Hall of Famer. He's going to get in. But we saw this year Brian Urlacher, Ray Lewis, Randy Moss all getting in their first year of eligibility. Woodson will be eligible for the first time in 2021. I'm wondering if he's going to be another first ballot guy. The other two issues, Leroy Butler and Sterling Sharp. Butler, he became a semifinalist for the first time this past year. And now over the last couple of years, we've seen Kenny Easley got in via senior committee, uh, Seattle safety from a long time ago. Um, And then Brian Dawkins played safety for 16 years in the NFL. He got in in the class of 2018. And over the last couple of years, we've seen John Lynch and Steve Atwater make the finalist stage. Safety's getting a little bit more attention. The other thing getting a little more attention is guys with maybe the injury-shortened careers. Terrell Davis has gotten in now. Tony Baselli was a finalist, and there was a lot of there was a lot of push for Baselli. I think the vote, from what I'm reading, it sounds like the vote was maybe pretty close for for him to get into this Hall of Fame class. So then you wonder, does that open a door potentially for a guy like Sterling Sharp, who only played seven seasons because of injury, but led the NFL three times in receptions, twice in receiving yards, or no, twice in touchdowns, once in receiving yards. So those three issues, I've kind of been kicking them around in my mind. Uh, where do you want to start? Well, I, I want to start with the Butler thing quickly because we've touched on it in the past. And, and the, the only point I want to make with Butler, and, and I don't want to come off as the squeaky wheel here. We, you know, Jerry Kramer's in. Yeah. So that's plenty to be happy about. But, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Leroy. I, I'm not sure how this is going to play out. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, he made the semifinals. He needs to get a run now, I think, as the finals, being the next step, getting his name into that room. Uh, that conversation for for Pete Doherty from the Green Bay Press Gazette to make that argument for him. Here's the, th- the two things I want to point out with Butler: if John Lynch and Steve Atwater, and no disrespect to either of them, congrats to John on the trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, but <laughs> <laughs> no, but both of those guys are great safeties. The fact that they've been finalists before Leroy Butler has ever been a semifinalist is still absolutely befuddling to me go back and watch the Packers of those mid to late 90s Fritz Shermer's defenses come and I commend Fritz Shermer a hundred percent for how he used Leroy Butler people didn't use safeties that way at that time he was playing a role that is popular today I I just I still to this day and the two things hurting Leroy is the fact that he didn't really move to safety until his third season and then he had the career-ending shoulder injury mm-hmm. if you had a little bit more time on either side of it i think he has a more compelling argument but still i look at atwater's stats and i look at lynch's stats and i look at who they were playing with you're really telling me the green bay packers in 1996 and then th- that went into the next year as 11 and a half point favor in super bowl 32 they had two super bowl or two mv or two pro football hall of fame players on those teams yeah i just don't buy it yeah i agree with you i think i think butler's candidacy deserves more attention yeah than it's getting uh he was the first defensive back and other a lot of other guys have done it since but he was the first guy to get to 20 sacks and 20 interceptions as yes. a defensive back and that's when you talk about using guys in different ways Butler Fritz Shermer they were they were the guys on the cutting edge yes. with that and I and I think that's the part with with him that needs to be recognized a little bit more if he could have just gotten 40 20 I think and it's it's only uh, one and a half away yeah I just yeah. I think that that would have really really put him over the top because now you look at Charles Woodson coming up in a couple of years where he put that bar 
I mean, it's remarkable now what defensive backs are doing. Yeah, and Charles Woodson, I think he's going to be a first ballot Absolutely. Hall of Famer. I think he's going to get yeah. in right away. Especially I think with his be, class. Yeah. I think with the guys that he that he retired with, there's some talented guys in there, but I just I think it's a no-brainer. Yeah, it's going to be Peyton Manning, and uh, there's another one, too, I think, who's a yeah. potential first ballot guy. It's, it, it's slipping my mind yes, right now, who also retired at the end of the... Oh, uh, uh, Calvin Johnson. Thank Me- you. Megatron. Yes, Megatron. Yeah, so you could potentially have another class there of three first ballot guys in uh, in I just really want to see Peyton Manning and Charles Woodson going together. I digress. No, that that's no, it, but you're right. Those are the two guys. They were one two in the Heisman voting. They were the voting. face of that yeah. era of football. They were the one two in the Heisman voting the year that they came out of college. So uh, so yeah, that really would be special to see them going together. With regards to Sterling Sharp, his odds I think are longer than Leroy Butler's. I think Butler has a better chance, but it's interesting. You you look at what Sharp did, and if they are if if people on the committee, voters and stuff are going to look a little bit more at injury shortened careers. This is a guy who he broke Art Monk's record for receptions in a single season and then broke his own record the following year. Yeah. Now since then he had 112 that second time which was the NF, which was an NFL record. Since then a whole bunch of guys have gotten more than 112. But at the time he got 112 in 1993, that was the NFL record for a single season. He had set that record, you know, two years in a row himself. That says something about being a dominant player, even though the career unfortunately wasn't as long as a lot of people would have hoped. Yeah, and you do wonder if he could have had a Donald Driver type run, just where he would have put some of those franchise records. And no disrespect to Driver, and that right. I'm just saying in terms of what trajectory he was on pace for. No question at that point in time, and if he could have had a few more years with with uh, Brett Favre, but whatever the case may be, a phenomenal football player. I think sometimes because of the shortened career, because of you know him playing his first four or five seasons without Favre, he doesn't get a lot of notoriety for that. Um, but I, you know, I go back to things Shannon Sharp said in his Hall of Fame speech that he's a Pro Football Hall of Famer and he's the second best player in his family. Yeah, um, it just it's such a it's such an impactful thing for for a guy like that to say that. Yeah, and and Sterling had 18 touchdowns in one season, which, I, which is still the uh, the Packers single season record. At a time where there was only like 24 to 28 touchdowns a year, was a great season for a quarterback to throw. So yeah. it's it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. All right. With that, we'll toss it to a break. Back with more on Packers unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford alongside Wes Hodkowitz. And Wes, quickly, uh, before I forget, I need to take care of some sponsor business here. Attention Packers fans, we're calling you to fill up with Campbell's Chunky Chicken Noodle Soup. We're talking delicious hearty soup packaged in an exclusive Packers Superfan can. These cans are limited edition for all you football fanatics out there. So don't miss out. Go on, huddle up, and fill up with this hearty soup. Chunky Soup, the official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers. Before we go, Wes, one issue I think uh, to follow up on with regards to the Super Bowl, and that's quarterback Nick Foles. Uh, We didn't really talk about him probably enough in our last show. And this is a great example that, uh, you know, we'll go down in history and we will see where Nick Foles' career goes from here. But guys don't often get the chance to climb their way out of the box, so to speak. Yeah. And this was a guy who was pegged as as the one-hit wonder in Chip Kelly's offense. He was the, the Tommy Two-Tone of, uh, <laughs> of NFL quarterbacks. 
because he had that great year with 27 touchdowns and only a couple of interceptions and then, you know, kind of fell off the map. Yeah. Um, he's put himself back on the map and credit to him. He got his opportunity and uh, and he cashed in. He took advantage of it. Yeah, and I just I absolutely loved uh, his post game speech about failure and success. And I think this is such an important message for people out there in every walk of life, Mike, because so often there's a negative connotation associated with losing, failure, mistakes. And I think sometimes that can overwhelm and eliminate really the reality we all live in. And so many times over the years I've been talking with Packer fans about the way Aaron Rodgers plays and how consistent he is and and the level and the throws and the vision. It's just, even he makes mistakes. Even he, there's plays he wants back. You mentioned the Randall Cobb throw. Yeah. Nick Foles, I think his perspective on things, a guy that just won the Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP, played what appeared to be a perfect game, made so many clutch throws through windows that are almost impossible for a normal human being to ever be able to get remotely through. And for the second game in a row when you go back to that NFC title The second game game in a row, and Doug Peterson to have the confidence in the young man to, to come through, you kind of forget what happened in St. Louis. And the fact that he got traded from Philadelphia, it was that big Sam Bradford deal. The the Rams think they have a guy that's going to be their starting quarterback, and he starts 11 games, and it doesn't work out. And the next year, they offload him to the, the Chiefs. He ends up backing up you know, Alex Smith. There's questions about whether or not he was going to retire. And for him to get this opportunity yeah. and to not be starstruck, to not be, uh, you know, oh, like, to not be paralyzed by the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just I think there's just a lesson for everybody out there in any walk of life of exactly what it means to persevere and, and to to put your best foot forward. Yeah, I agree with you, and a lot of eyes will now be on uh, uh, just where Nick Foles' career goes. Sure. I mean, he's under contract another year uh, for a, a high salary for a backup quarterback. Certainly, um, the Eagles, you know, Carson Wentz, he injured his knee in December, so what's the timeline there with Wentz? I don't know. I said this in our insider inbox. If I'm the Eagles, I'm keeping him on the roster just as the, the, for safekeeping. Unless you're 100% certain, there's no way he should not be on the roster. Yeah, all right. With that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's still Wes Hod. I'm still Mike Spofford. At Packers is still the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs>